Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, good morning. Bill Handel here on a uh, Friday, February uh, 26th. Uh, as we continue on with the show, uh, coming up at 930, uh, Foodie Friday uh, with Neil uh, always good stuff. And then uh, at 8 o'clock, uh, California Supreme Court uh, upholds the young teen uh, prosecution law. Uh, it just changes how we deal with uh, teens, and there's some science behind that. And so I'll share that with you coming up. Uh, the $15 an hour minimum wage bill, and this was part of the COVID relief package of the one9 a trillion dollar relief package that uh, President Biden, uh, as well as the Democrats, particularly Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, and uh, other uh, more uh, liberal, progressive, you don't use the word liberal anymore, progressive members of uh, Congress and the Senate have been pushing. And President Biden has been a huge advocate of the $15 an hour minimum wage. And it really does break down along party lines. I mean, this one isn't clearer where the Democrats are on one side, the Republicans are on the other side. And what was going to happen? Well, since it was going to break down along party lines, and this is what the House fully expected to do. And that is, uh, they were going to pass it. House is easy. And then at the Senate, it was going to be a 50-50 split with uh, Kamala Harris uh, breaking the tie, and there we go. New law, uh, $15 an hour minimum wage now included in the COVID relief bill. Now, the Republicans have been fighting it like crazy, and then uh, they argue a parliamentary rule. One of the things about the way Congress uh, runs itself is uh, under rules of parliament, which come from common law, and it is a set of rules that are followed. And some of it is procedural, and some of it is uh, by uh, statute, by federal law. So in this case, uh, the question was, uh, does $15 an hour minimum wage fall under, or can it be excluded from uh, the COVID relief package? Uh, Why? Because it can not get, uh, it can't be considered because a parliamentary rule says that $15 an hour has to be directly tied to uh, an economic package, right? A spending package, right? Where money is being spent uh, on COVID relief, um, helping the schools, uh, bringing uh, vaccines. And the argument the Republicans are saying is that's not spending. That's not a spending package. What it is, is you're passing a law that simply says minimum wage. And therefore that's not part of uh, a COVID relief package shouldn't be part of it because it breaks parliamentary rules. Well, they bring in the parliamentarian 
uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth McDonough, the Senate parliamentarian who she's been around for uh, a while, uh, both uh, D- Democrat and Republican presidents. And the end decision is hers. She decides whether it fits in or doesn't. And she decided it doesn't. That $15 an hour minimum wage does not fit the rules of the Senate. Therefore, cannot be included, and it is excluded. And boy, does that take the uh, Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and that wing of the party for a loop. Because they were hoping it happens. Now, it's a little bit wonky because... It has to do, you know, I don't even want to get into it that, because that it becomes too wonky and it's not uh, too important uh, to understand how and where and you've got reconciliation and how you need, uh, you can break the filibuster. It, it, that's, I think that's relatively small potatoes. The important thing here is uh, the basic philosophy of $15 an hour minimum wage. And what is the argument? Well, this breaks down Republican and Democrat. Republicans, it's too expensive. It's going to hurt business. In fact, people are going to be put out of work. Businesses can't afford it. It's going to be a net cost to the economy. Democrats, it helps business. And there's evidence on both sides of this. They can come up with, this is such an important issue. And minimum wage increases have been being talked about for such a long time. I mean, there is study after study, the Office of Management and Budget. You can go back five years and come up with uh, their report. And then three years ago, and it's a different report. So both sides can point to uh, real economics, real economic studies. The problem is, which one do you believe? So the Biden position is... Two things. Number one, it actually is going to help the economy. And what that does is counter the Republicans. Why? Because it takes people out of poverty. People will have more money. Tax revenues will increase. Uh, Governmental programs will be needed less uh, to support people who are now making $15 an hour. And then the basic issue of uh, President Biden, and that's the one I've agreed with for so long. And if you've been listening to this show for any number of years, you know exactly how I feel about this. Uh, how does someone work full-time and not be able to eat? Explain that to me. How do you have a country that's one of the wealthiest countries in the world and say you can work full-time 40 hours a week and make under $15,000 uh, a year? Considering minimum wage, $7.25 hasn't gone up since 2009. And even though inflation has been a drop in the bucket, the actual spending power of the worker Today is less than it was in the 70s. Look how expensive it is to go out and shop. You know, buy some eggs. You know, a loaf of bread. A steak at the supermarket. One of the uh, bigger stories uh, that we've been covering is this issue of vaccines. Of course, people are scrambling to get vaccinated. Uh, the U.S. were already uh, 68, uh, 68 million uh, vax doses administered, and I think it's in the 40 million uh, where both doses have been administered uh, yesterday, another 1.8 million. So it's come to the point now where we're on our way to getting enough vaccine out there. Uh, the manufacturing seems to be doing better. 
Johnson and Johnson by probably over the weekend uh, will be given emergency youth uh, use authorization. And so you're going to see big numbers. Now, uh, what is going on? Well, uh, the problem becomes, as we've said, uh, minority poor uh, communities aren't getting uh, the same shot at it. We've talked about it before. And that is why they don't have access to computers because a lot of them, a lot of the centers, you have to apply via the internet and then uh, show up and prove by app by app that you have the appointment. And uh, it takes some kind of computer literacy. And we were talking about, for example, older African-Americans don't have access to computers. A lot of them. Uh, there was a story last night where there was an older gentleman probably 68 years old, uh, African-American. He was at the same center uh, six times and was turned away because he didn't have his appointment. And so what is going on? Uh, What's going on is not only is uh, the issue of uh, African-Americans and poor minorities not having access because of technology, uh, fewer of them are actually being able to uh, access appointments uh, because of technology. Uh, also, you have uh, simply the way, uh, particularly African Americans, view quote the government, and these are governmental programs because of Tuskegee and uh, several other issues. Certainly, Black Lives Matter and systemic racism. And another issue is you've got rich white people that are grabbing those spaces. And how are they able to do it? Well, they have access to computers. I'm getting my first shot today, and I've been trying uh, for, I don't know, a couple of weeks, and here is the magic. You couldn't get on the computer, so I had a staffer sit there on the computer for hours over and over again, and when there was an opening, it popped up, and I was able to get uh, my shot, first one today. And that's, uh, it makes me feel a whole lot better. Well, I will in about four weeks. I don't know if it's Moderna or Pfizer, uh, but uh, so it's either three weeks from now or four weeks from now that I'll get the second shot. And then two weeks hence, uh, the uh, shot should be, uh, I, I should be fully immunized. And so they're trying to figure this out. How are we fair? And the problem distribution wise, now we're talking about the doses that are going in people's arms is most cities have these huge centers, mass vaccination sites, which almost by definition makes it very difficult for people of uh, minorities, people of color, to make it to those sites. So the answer is expanding the sites, not not so much with the big ones, because that has to happen too, but move out and outreach. Local outreach and part of uh, Biden's $1.9 trillion uh, relief package involves billions of dollars in doing exactly that. And that is setting up programs, setting up centers, uh, hiring people, even to the point of uh, community workers that go out and go door to door in order to get people in. So it's a it's a triple edged sword when it comes to people of color who are poor, who are in areas that uh, don't have these mass vaccination centers. Uh, It's very difficult. Uh, The rest of us are going to do fine, especially if someone who works for you uh, that can sit on the computer for five hours a day and uh, finally get you one.
Not, I'll tell you one thing, that 68-year-old African-American who showed up for the sixth time that I saw on the news, he didn't have a worker do that for him. The recall for Gavin Newsom in California. Now, when the recall movement first started, I poo-pooed it. I said, you know, recalls don't work. I think the only successful recall of a governor uh, in California history, if memory serves, is uh, what happened uh, with um, Gray Davis uh, and with Arnold Schwarzenegger taking his place. Because recall on the ballot just has two questions. Question number one, do you want the governor recalled? Yes or no. If yes, who do you want to, who do you want to be the governor? And when Gray Davis uh, was recalled, 135 people were on the ballot. So uh, we're in for another one, that's for sure. And there were some that were serious. Uh, there were some that were completely stupid. Uh, one was, I think, Mary Carey, a porno actress, who, of course, I had on this show. And uh, we also had, uh, you know, just a bunch of bad actors. It was just uh, hilarious stuff. So uh, why is it now more of a reality for Newsom to actually be recalled? And the reason I said, the reason I poo-pooed it is it is damn hard to get a recall recall going. Uh, Proponents have to gather uh, 1.5 million valid signatures from registered voters by the 17th of March, and that's equal to 12% of the vote cast in the most recent election for governor. And then the counties have to verify them by April 29. And when I talk about uh, valid signatures, they go through each one, and about a third of them disappear, maybe 25%, uh, because uh, wrong names, wrong addresses, T's not crossed, uh, signatures not matching. I mean, really not registered voters, uh, wrong counties. I mean, really just fanatic minutia. And so uh, they're going to need probably 1.8, uh, 1.9 maybe uh, million signatures. Are they going to get that in the next, uh, what, three weeks? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, now, does that mean that uh, Newsom is going to recall? be recalled? That is the question. Uh, because you're not going to see many Democrats run against uh, uh, against Newsom. That just doesn't happen. Uh, matter of fact, uh, oh, I remember when Gray Davis was uh, uh, was being recalled, and everybody lined up. And the the lieutenant uh, uh, lieutenant um, governor of California, a guy by the name of Cruz Bustamante, uh, came in and said, "Don't recall Gray Davis." Literally, this was his campaign. Don't recall Gray Davis. But if you do, vote for me. Boy, that worked for him, didn't it? So why is uh, this governor in so much trouble? One word, pandemic. How he's handled it. Cuomo, wildly successful as a governor. I'm talking about numbers that are astronomical in terms of approval ratings when the pandemic started. Uh, He's in deep trouble because of uh, the scandal of the miscounting of the deaths, COVID deaths in the nursing homes. And we're going to get into that later because it's not really miscounting. The number of deaths uh, that were reported are correct. It's just where the numbers are attributed. And so you've got governor after governor. And there's two things that are absolutely going to kill uh, the uh, 
the campaign of uh, Newsom to fight off the recall. Uh, recall number one is the way he's handled the pandemic, and he's gone from an approval rating of like sixty percent, and now it's in the toilet. Uh, simply because he's done a, a horrible job of handling the pandemic. But I don't know who has done a good job. Everybody in the United States, every state, I mean, we're all spinning. You know, the only people that we trust, Fauci, the CDC, the FDA, excuse me, uh, the FDA, but other than that, other than the public health authorities, uh, no, not at all. And the other thing that's killing Newsom, and I said that as soon as he went to dinner, He went to the French Laundry to dinner with uh, lobbyists, $350 per head, didn't have a mask on. At the same time, it was a shutdown order. You can't go to restaurants where you could go outside. And that was his argument. He went outside, which is complete crap. It was a room that had sliding glass doors. And therefore, when they opened it up, uh, they were outside. I mean, how's that for a crock? And that completely killed him. And I had said, this is his Chappaquiddick. And if you remember Chappaquiddick, this is Ted Kennedy, who was a viable candidate for president. And uh, he uh, rolled off the bridge in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, this little tiny bridge with Mary, J., uh, Mary Jo Kopechny in the car. She drowned. And he didn't even report it to the next morning. I mean, it killed him. He was done. And when it comes to Newsom. I think he is done. That is even worse, I think, because it's not a question of mismanagement. I think people can forgive mismanagement, especially the argument is, hey, it changes day to day. I'm reacting to the numbers. I'm reacting to the tiers. Uh, Every day we're seeing more cases. We're seeing fewer cases. Uh, The school openings. uh, Let's look at the science. Uh, is it safe to open schools more than we had before? I mean, there are arguments, legitimate arguments. Uh, you can decide one wh- one way or the other, and uh, all of them make sense. There is no excuse under any circumstances during a lockdown order for him to show up at the French Laundry and have a $300 dinner, maskless. I've been to the French Laundry. It's way she-she. It's not worth it. Not even close. My daughter is a foodie, and that was a, a birthday gift to her. So we went up and ate at the French Laundry. Uh, neither one of us was overly overly impressed. I mean, it really is she-she, like little caviar. What was one of the things that are just so weird? Oh, little ice cream cones. Not sweet ones, but little tiny ones uh, with uh, some kind of a creme fraiche and caviar on it. And here's your ice cream cone. Just weird stuff. Now, uh, the Supreme Court uh, has uh, rules. The California Supreme Court has uh, upheld uh, a uh, state law, 2018, intended to end one of California's uh, tough-on-crime measures. And this had to do with uh, overcrowded prison and brain development of juvenile offenders. And there was science behind this brain development theory, which is really not a theory, And it said uh, that uh, suspects under 16 cannot be tried for uh, crimes committed. Uh, They cannot be tried as adults for the most part. And the argument was, well, we passed uh, Prop 57 and that is um, in conflict and therefore uh, the court should go the other way. 
So I brought in Wayne, who follows this stuff pretty carefully. Uh, so Wayne, uh, explain this to us, if you would. Sure, because uh, it can look like a conflict between Prop 57 that we voted for and this law, unless you look at what Prop 57 was trying to accomplish. So the key provision of Prop 57 here is it put an end to what was called direct filing. This is where the DA gets a case. You have, say, a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old. They're charged with murder. The DA can directly go to adult court and file that case and put that kid on trial as an adult. Well, a lot of criminal justice reform people didn't like that. They said, look, you somebody needs to take a look at the kid and make more of an informed decision about whether they should be tried as an adult. Prop 57 made that happen by requiring that first the prosecutors go to juvenile court and there's a fitness hearing and a judge decides whether they then go to adult court or stay in juvenile court. So that's what Prop 57 did. Then comes this law that categorically says 15 years old, 16 years old, sorry, even if it's murder, you cannot be tried as an adult. So it seems to take away discretion from everybody, right? Prosecutors had the discretion. Prop 57 gave judges the discretion. When it comes to 15, 16-year-olds, this takes away discretion from everybody. But the California Supreme Court said it's not in conflict with Prop 57 because the point of Prop 57 was to reduce the number of juveniles that were tried as adults. That was the bottom line, what it was trying to accomplish to the extent that this new law does the same thing. It reduces the number of juveniles that can be tried as adults. It's actually consistent in underlying purpose. Okay, and while therefore, the, okay. While the court, I'm sure, did not have, I haven't read the ruling, uh, did not talk about why 15 or 16-year-olds should not be tried as adults, because I know they went to the legal uh, narrow decision. Uh, the fact that we know scientifically that uh, teenagers don't have the same control, uh, they don't, uh, their imp impulse control is way less, uh, their brains are, uh, frankly, their brains are Swiss cheese. Uh, they're, um, uh, you know, it's, you're invincible at 15 or 16. If you remember at 15 or 16, I mean, the, the risks I took, I was out of my mind. And so would that be part of it? Because that's the argument uh, that proponents of uh, this argument saying uh, that you shouldn't try people at 15 or 16. How much science do you think the court looked at? The science of a 15-year-old and 16-year-old yeah. brains? Very little. Because that wasn't, really, that wasn't really what they were being asked to look at. They were being asked to compare this to Prop 57. Right. So they didn't really, it wasn't based on generally is it good public policy or not to try young people as adults yeah, or to forbid it, which it could be debated forever. A 16-year-old who commits a particularly brutal, vicious crime, you're never going to get everybody to agree whether it's appropriate to sure. try that person as an adult sure. or not. And the question I ask, is, as I said, I haven't read it, usually at the bottom of decisions, uh, something called dicta. Uh, that uh, courts write, which are not part of the decision, 
but they are notes and the thinking of uh, the court, and they throw that in there uh, to not so much justify, uh, try to explain their position or public policy, as you said. Yeah. And Sometimes they just say extra stuff that they really didn't need to say in the decision, and then it's there for lawyers to uh, try to make use of later. All right. Uh, Wayne, thanks. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Earlier I did a story about the recall of uh, Gavin Newsom and how much trouble other governors around uh, the country are, mainly because of the way they handle the pandemic. Uh, Newsom is on a whole different level because add to that his hypocrisy in having dinner at a restaurant that costs 320 bucks a head or 350 uh, with a bunch of lobbyists. And uh, it was, uh, quote, uh, outside because outside dining was allowed and social distancing. I don't think that was even part of it. So uh, that's a killer. But let's go to what's happening in New York. Another hero of the pandemic. As a matter of fact, early on. Uh, Governor uh, Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, was uh, the leader of uh, the governors uh, across the nation in dealing with the pandemic. If you remember, New York got hit the worst by far. I mean, New York was uh, truly the epicenter of the earth in terms of uh, the number of cases that hit New York. And there is Cuomo every day uh, giving a briefing, sitting behind that table uh, with the flag of the United States and New York behind him. And he was honest. Uh, he told it like it is. Credibility. Uh, great approval ratings. I mean, I was looking at him and going, that's a pretty good job he's doing. I mean, for a politician, well, for anybody, but uh, if you're going to try to get approval ratings, this is what you want to do. Well, then this nursing home death report hit. And here's what ended up happening. What Cuomo did, and their, uh, at least his health department did, we don't know if he ordered it or not because they're keeping this totally under wraps. What he did is, or what the state did, is report the number of deaths at nursing homes only that occurred in nursing homes. So if you had someone near death, you have an elderly person that is on the respirator, uh, and they're going. And I mean, they're going quick. So they're thrown into an ambulance, and off they go into a hospital uh, and die there, or maybe even on, in, on the way to the hospital in the ambulance. All of a sudden, they haven't died in a nursing home. And that's where he got into trouble. And he said the reason he 
quote underreported is because if he came out with the true figures, uh, then the Trump administration would use that against New York. In the meantime, uh, you've got his very credibility at stake because this is the only state that did that. So now you have nursing homes, which were the number one place where victims died uh, in the United States. I mean, if you looked at the numbers, it was like 70, 80 percent of those who were dying were elderly in nursing homes. It was uh, just crazy. Uh, New York uh, had 8,500. But didn't a total of 10,000 or 15,000 actually die? Yeah, but we're not counting those that didn't physically die in the nursing home. You know, it's almost like um, accidents where someone is pronounced dead at the scene or they're thrown into an ambulance and pronounced dead at the hospital. So therefore, they died at the hospital and were effectively room temperature right there at the accident scene. So... That's where he's gotten into trouble. And now the investigation started and the FBI is investigating, although I don't know what he has done criminally. The FBI can investigate all he wants. What is under reporting? Because first of all, he did report where people died. I mean, that's something we have to know. We should know. Uh, not only in, not only in terms of honesty from the governor, but also uh, is it important in terms of data, which it is. But the FBI is investigating why. You know, what criminal violation, what statute did he violate? I can't see one. But what he did is he violated the trust of New Yorkers. For a man who uh, was transparent, and transparency was his middle, middle name from day one of this pandemic. All of a sudden, the transparency sort of disappeared. It became a little opaque, didn't it? And is it going to hurt him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. His approval ratings have just plummeted. But it's not the only one. I mean, you've got states all over the country where the governors are in all kinds of trouble. Uh, And it doesn't even have to do with covering up. It has to do with handling of the pandemic. Do you go to school? Do you not go to school? Do you open up businesses? It is a question of uh, public health versus opening businesses and school and look at the science either way. Uh, It's hard to make the right decision. And when someone does make a decision, it may even be the right decision for the next month. And then it becomes the wrong decision because things change so dramatically and so quickly under uh, the uh, this this pandemic. Uh, There's something going on in Lancaster. Now, Lancaster is a a city that is north of uh, Los Angeles, north of the San Fernando Valley. And you go up. I don't know, 50 miles, 30 miles, whatever. Uh, And um, not a whole lot of people live there. Well, actually, a fair amount of people live there and work in the Valley. But they don't have uh, their own police force. And there are a lot of cities that don't have their own police force in Southern California. And the reason is they're too small. It's too expensive. So they contract out. Some with the LAPD, small cities around Los Angeles. Some with the sheriff's department. I mean, keep in mind, uh, look what it takes to build your own uh, police department. You need uh, your own chief. uh, You need a bureaucracy. You have to have uh, the training involved, although they all go to the LAPD Academy or the Sheriff's Academy. Uh, And uh, you have to have uh, just a whole infrastructure. Well, you don't do that when you contract out. 
Now, let's call the sheriffs. They're out there, and they've assigned deputies. Well, Lancaster is uh, uh, particularly vulnerable to accusations of uh, all the things that police departments around the country uh, have uh, been accused of. And uh, it was six years ago when the sheriff's department agreed to implement sweeping measures to improve policing in the Antelope Valley, where, uh, where Lancaster is. There was a federal investigation, found a pattern of unreasonable force, intimidation, unlawful stops and searches, of course, among black and Latino residents, because they were getting nailed the most. Of course, that was the case. And uh, these stations in the Antelope Valley, uh, according to this report that was done, and by the way, the report was written by a monitor that was assigned, headed by a former police chief. And there were two court-appointed individuals, and one of them, Joseph Braun, the, chief, the former chief of Hayward, California, police chief. And the bottom line is they're doing a horrible job. They have not come up to snuff. The sheriff's department in Antelope Valley specifically is failing miserably. And then Alex Nueva, uh, Villanueva comes in as sheriff. And according to the report... Uh, to whatever extent there was improvement, there was a complete loss of momentum. He came in in 2018, uh, and then the whole thing fell apart. And that's one of the accusations uh, against uh, the uh, sheriff. because I, I don't know how he's going to be reelected. Maybe he will. One of the problems when, in, when in any of these settlement agreements and court order is the timeline. Uh, because uh, usually they're pretty broad. You know, it's not by 20, 2022, you must have in place uh, X number of officers. You must have, it's generally not the case. Uh, and the courts traditionally, or even the law, and the most, uh, int- well, let me give you a bit of history real quick. And uh, this is probably one of the most important cases, uh, certainly in the last century, Brown versus Board of Education, desegregation. Uh, And the court order, the Warren court ordered that the schools desegregate all over the country. And the court, if you read uh, accounts of what happened, were the court was trying to decide how fast do we do it? Do we use the word immediate? Uh, do we use the word um, uh, planning must start first? You know what the word was used? Desegregation must occur with all deliberate speed. What the hell does that mean? Deliberate speed. That blew it wide open all over the country. Because And that argument was made all over the country. Well, deliberate speed is what we're doing. Uh, You can argue immediate. Uh, You can argue uh, after planning. Uh, You can argue any kind of timeline that you want. After uh, carefully looking at the speed of desegregation. But with all deliberate speed, that is the problem. And there is a word, and a lot of people don't know, that that language, that single word, kicked off 50 years of uh, 
court cases and demonstrations uh, that, well, today that stopped, but it was probably right into, I would guess, the early 1980s, so it was 30 years of heavy-duty controversy because, hey, we're using deliberate speed. So you can bet the Sheriff's Department has said, hey, we're following the guidelines. Well, you're not following them fast enough. Well, okay, uh, give us a timeline. Well, we're not going to give you a specific timeline because, it's frankly, it's very difficult to do that. Talking about uh, diversity for a moment, and uh, I was uh, thinking about this, and when we talk about systemic racism, uh, which I think most people agree it's there, I think people that don't believe there is systemic racism in this country uh, I think are looking through uh, life with uh, the Pollyannish glasses or uh, the rose-tinted glasses. Uh, And because of the history, uh, especially against African-Americans, African-Americans, while uh, they have assimilated in this country, certainly, uh, but not in the same way the Irish have or uh, the Jews have, if you want to call the Jews a culture, uh, or any other group, even the Latinos to some extent because of the history of uh, our country in dealing with African-Americans. First African-American to hit our shores was a slave. And uh, that was uh, the entire Confederacy. The economy was based on slavery. And that's simply how, uh, and I think it's even wired into the DNA uh, that, you know, white people or African-Americans or Latinos are just different than us. And it's more so than your family versus someone else's family, or uh, let's say you're a certain culture, you're Armenian, and uh, you decided you're going to sit around big families or Italian, and you all sit around uh, and you, you make the big pots of uh, pasta and sauce, and you go to the mattresses, whatever, whatever culture you have. Uh, when, it, uh, when it comes to the way we view African Americans, it's very, very different. And so there has been a real effort Uh, to incorporate diversity. And I think uh, we're recognizing that a lot of the diversity is really lip service. And I think this is why so many members of uh, the black community, and I'm starting to understand this a little bit deeper, uh, that I point out and go, hey, we've had a black president. Hey, look at the cabinet. Uh, It's uh, filled with women and Hispanics. Uh, an African-American, uh, look at our vice president. And when we go on and on, now how many uh, African-Americans are uh, in front of the camera at news organizations and reporters on CNN uh, and the networks? I mean, tons. The problem is, is that the depth of minorities going through the entire system has not matched the attempted diversity. Uh, there's a lot of show and tell. And is it, at this point, is it a question of time? Well, let me give you a, a time uh, story, uh, timeline story. All right, uh, 30 years ago, uh, I was uh, bringing up the topic, and I was doing one of the radio shows, and we were talking about women in uh, management in corporations. And uh, there was bitching and moaning, there are not enough women that are in corporations, it's all white guys, and I would say, hey, You know what? You're not going to see women entering management and then two years later being the CEO of a major Fortune 500 company. 
it takes 35 years to get that or to go there. I mean, this is generational. Talk to me in 30 years. Well, here we are 30 years later, and guess what? Uh, They're not up there running Fortune 500 companies. There are a few. There are a handful. And then you wonder, okay, so what happened? There's all kinds of reasons. Uh, One, women uh, stop their careers when they're having kids and take time off, or the perception of uh, if the kids are sick, the, the, the moms stay home and not the dad. So it's assumed that uh, the commitment to the job is more a uh, male factor uh, or uh, just, by the way, uh, women just don't have, I'm not going to say the same necessities, but they just don't have uh, the same skill level, like women scientists. There aren't that many women scientists out there. Why? Because uh, women are... Uh, sort of shoved off saying, you know what, this is not what you want to do. Hard science is not for women. Architecture is not for women. Uh, it, that's changed, by the way. You go to uh, you go to business school, for example, uh, the majority are women. There are more women than men. You go to law school, there are more women than men. Uh, you go to the hard sciences, the architecture, uh, uh, the architecture majors at the universities and biology majors. There are no, there are more women. So. Uh, is it happening? Yes, it is. Uh, are we going to wait another 30 years? Maybe. Maybe. Because now, for the first time, we're actually diving in to really looking at uh, discrimination and racism and attempting to do something beyond just lip service. See, I'm fine with an African-American behind the camera or in front of the camera or some uh, Latino or Latino uh, and it, obviously pronouncing the name with a, uh, you know, my name is uh, Razo, right, Alex? And, but how many people are in management? How many people uh, behind the camera are uh, African-American women? How many people in the sound department, in the technical department, in the sales department? It's, uh, it's we're not there. And are we going to get there? I thought 30 years. Honest to God, I thought 30 years ago. It's uh, We'd have it in 30 years. Boy, was I wrong. An announcement by uh, the Hasbro people uh, who manufacture uh, Mr. Potato Head. And uh, here we are 70 years later and no more Mr. Potato Head. It's just Potato Head. And uh, naturally, those people that are saying, come on, are we getting to that point uh, in terms of political correctness? Well, let me defend for a moment. Uh, The potato head audience, right, the sweet spot is two to three years old. And the argument is that if you have a gender neutral potato, because most potatoes are uh, gender neutral themselves, it's it, let the kids do the Mr. and Mrs. And let's just do a generic uh, description of uh, the potato and becomes Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head because you can do both ways. You get two potatoes and do Mr. and Mrs. And you can do yam, uh, which is I didn't even know that you could do yams, but it's been a while since I played with uh, some. And that is uh, the argument saying uh, since the kids uh, are so young. Why even put a label, Mr. Mrs.? Well, the other side of it is, uh, come on, really? 
It's a name. It's Mr. Potato Head. It's been known. It's like Mr. Peanut. You know, peanuts are also gender neutral. I, at what point do you stop this? And here is the issue. You never stop it. You truly never, ever stop it. Whatever you can think of, uh, I guarantee you there will be an attack uh, on whatever is being done because it doesn't accept diversity. It doesn't accept racism. My favorite one, San Francisco uh, Board of Education, right? 44 schools renamed. They voted unanimously, I might add. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, racist. We can't use that name anymore. George Washington High School, uh, racist. Can't use that anymore. Diane Feinstein, boy, she's a racist, isn't she? And how much money did she swing into California and probably that school district? Uh, well, she's a racist. And they voted it unanimously. Now, someone uh, came to the board and said, are you guys nuts? Do you really think you're going to go there? So uh, what they did is uh, they, okay, we're not going to deal with it now. Not because there's something inherently wrong with saying that Abraham Lincoln is a racist or George Washington was a racist, as well as this whole panoply of founding fathers. Uh, but uh, because the school board is too busy working on uh, the pandemic and trying to get the school back uh, into uh, classroom education. And so that's what we're concentrating on. We'll deal with the George Washington, Abraham Lincoln issue later. So uh, not to that extent, but you have Mr. Potato Head. You know, I, uh, that's the name of the toy. And you grew up, it never even occurred to me and I, I've had my Mr. Potato Heads, and it never even occurred to me that it was, uh, oh, it's it's a Mr., although it was uh, later on in life when there was a Mrs. Potato Head. But, you know, do kids, are they leaning towards uh, a gender identity issue uh, because it's a Mr.? Well, we can't use the word Mr. We have to use the word, uh, what, what is it? We can't use Miss or Mrs. You have to use the word, I think, Ms., uh, but Ms. Oh, but is you can't female. even say Ms. You have to you have to find out what you're supposed to ask a person what their pronouns are. Yeah. So it. do you, he, she, they, them? I mean, really, that's that's. Yeah. What. Oh, my daughter had a, a group of friends uh, that she went to school with. Uh, and uh, they went to a place in uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, they were all kicked out of their homes for being transgender, all of them. That's awful. And there were about 10, 12 of them, and we helped them uh, for a while. And they were, first of all, it was impossible. They, uh, they identified themselves as female uh, or whatever, and uh, their biology was male. And so it's try to get on uh, roles, on unemployment roles, when you put down mail, and you, it's just crazy. Oh, sure. And uh, so uh, it was they. You yeah. know, hey, uh, uh, Sterling just called, and uh, they would like to say hello. What do you mean they would like to say hello? It's one person. See, I just don't, I, it, that's hard getting used to. That really is. But it's also hard getting used to, and I'm getting more into it, reading about uh, a male who has a husband. Uh, it's, you know, Fred and his husband, Bob. Uh, that is jarring. I'll get, I'll get to it. I'll get used to it. And I'm insanely gay rights. So, 
you know, it's a question of simply getting used to the change. KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.